Hey, before, uh, before we get into the Word this morning, I want, to, uh, I want us to just take a minute and let's pray. I want us to pray for the uh, law enforcement officers who lost their lives and were wounded in Dallas in that terrible tragedy. And uh, just pray God's grace on them and on our, law, our local law enforcement here. Uh, I read this week that less than 2% of all uh, arrests made by police officers uh, involve any kind of violence or altercation, less than 2%. But because of the joys of Facebook, uh, that 2% is always in your face. And so you begin to think that it's always that way and it's not that way. And I'm not a law enforcement officer, but I have to believe that one of the most dangerous things an officer does is when they pull over somebody and they have no idea who that person is or what that person has with them or on them or, ha- who has, done, or has done and uh, so our, our uh, first responders and our law enforcement need prayer. And so I want us to pray this morning. And I want, I'll pray and I want you to agree with me. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we want to lift up the officers who gave their lives serving and protecting and taking care of us in Dallas. I pray for the men who were injured. And Father, we lift their families to you. And we pray your grace, your comfort, your mercy on the men's families who lost their lives, that you would surround them with love. Father, I know there are many great churches and great Christians in Dallas and in that area, and that you are moving in your grace and in your strength in this situation. Father, we pray over Texas. We pray over the United States and over our first responders and our law enforcement that you protect them, you cover them, you give them wisdom, you anoint them, and you empower them. Father, the men and women who serve and protect us on a daily basis. Now, Father God, I want to pray for our local law enforcement. Father, for our our sheriff's department, our police department, for our highway patrol. Father, that as they go about their day serving and protecting, that your grace is on them, your covering is on them, your hand is around them, your angels surround them. Comfort their families, their wives, that they have peace and that they are not uh, given to fear and that your grace is on, on us and upon our land in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, let me just encourage you, uh, take time in the coming days to pray uh, for our law enforcement and just pray for America and God's grace. The Bible says to pray for those that are in authority that will lead a quiet and peaceable life. Amen? Amen. All right, this Tuesday here in the community in Tulia uh, is picnic week, and we start that this Tuesday, and many of you know about that. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the, the parades on Saturday. The reason I'm mentioning that is uh, Steve and Kim are always gracious enough the, to let Vicky and I and our family, we always sit right there uh, in front of their business uh, uh, for the parade. And I wanted you to know that we're going to be, that's where we're going to be seated. And if you'd love to come and bring an ice chest with some drinks for pastor and a chair and an umbrella for me, and I would love for you to come. Amen. So c- come sit with us. Now, after the parade, Kim doesn't like gum wrappers and candy and stuff. So we're going to stay and pick up and, and he- amen, help her keep their business clean. Then we go up to the park and I'm going to, I have a blue easy up. Y'all know what that is, an easy up. And uh, I go set that up Saturday morning at about seven o'clock to secure my spot. And we're going to go up there and eat barbecue. And so if you want to come up there, we're going to be there. And I'd love to have you come by, uh, come sit with us, come hang out with us. And uh, man, let's be church family. And I just wanted you to know that that's what we're going to be doing. And we would love to have you participate. And uh, we, we're we there for the uh, parade. I almost said funeral. I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking the cornerstone. I apologize. My brain. Okay, we're there for the parade. And then we go right up to the park. And so love to have you and come be a part of that. Amen.
Okay, I've been teaching, uh, we've been talking about the Bible described in two words. Okay, the Old Testament is do, the New Testament is done. In the Old Testament, the way you secured the blessings of God was by being obedient, by doing what he said. And in the New Testament, Jesus paid the price. Jesus took our place. And so the price has been paid. Now I walk in grace and I walk in fellowship with God. So the Old Testament is due. The New Testament is done. And we begin reading in Deuteronomy. And I want to read that to you again this morning. In Deuteronomy 28, the children of Israel have been delivered from slavery from Egypt. And God takes Moses up onto the mountain and gives him the Ten Commandments. Those are expanded. That's called the law, the Old Covenant. And then in Deuteronomy 28, there's a list of the blessings. And if you would obey God, if you would do what he said, you got the blessings. If you didn't obey, you were cursed. So I want to take time this morning, Deuteronomy 28, starting with verse 1. And I'm going to read 14 verses, and I'd like to read you, read you the blessing. Now listen to me. Don't listen to this like you do history. I want you to listen to this as if I'm reading this over you and your family, okay? I want you to take this personally this morning. As I'm reading this, I want you to think to yourself, hey, I want that. Hey, I want that in my life. Don't just listen to it like you would casually, like I'm reading off some paper or something, okay? Or listen to what it says. Now, God, of course, is speaking to the nation of Israel. If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today. The King James says, if you do all that I tell you to do, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. The emphasis is do. You got to do what he says to get the blessing. Verse 3, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Now, that could be your business. Uh, you may not have herds and flocks, but it can be your business or your job. Your fruit basket and breadboard will be blessed. That's your food, your sustenance. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. Let me read it to you again. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you seven. Now, you may say this morning, Pastor, I don't know that I have any enemies. Well, you have a enemy, the enemy, and his name is Lucifer. So that promise is when the enemy comes at you one way, he'll flee from you seven ways. Okay. Verse 8, the Lord will guarantee a blessing <clears throat> on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. I love the King James. The King James says God will command his blessings on you. Okay, this translation says he will guarantee a blessing upon you. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. Now, of course, he's talking about the promise that God gave to Abraham that he was going to give him the promised land. Let me keep reading. Verse 9, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. Verse 11, the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Of course, that's talking about the promise to Abraham. Blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. Now, stop right there. Many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. Let me bring that into one little piece. It means God wants to bless you. 
Okay, it means that you have overflow in your life. Okay, let me continue to read. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heaven and will bless all the work you do. God wants to bless you at your job. You will lend to many nations. You will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top. You'll never be at the bottom. But you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after any other gods or worship them. That's the good news. That's the blessing. In the Old Testament, God said, if you'll obey all my commandments, I'll bless you. If you don't obey my commandments, then I'm going to curse you. The curse was threefold. The curse was poverty. The curse was sickness, and the curse was spiritual death. God said, if you obey me, I'll bless you. If you don't obey me, then I'm going to curse you. Now, let me talk to you for just a minute about the blessing. Imagine this morning that you and I are in the Old Testament. We're in the Old Covenant. We're alive before Jesus is born. You do not get these blessings. You don't get these promises, and you don't get them for three reasons. The first reason you don't get them is because you're not Jewish. Okay, you are outside of the covenant of God. You're Gentiles. Okay, this was given to Israel. This was given to the nation of Israel. And if you lived in those times, you were outside that covenant. You were outside the blessing of God, and you didn't qualify. Here's the second reason why you don't get them. Even if you are a Jew, even if you're inside the covenant, you can't keep it. It's impossible. It almost seems unjust that God would create a standard so high you can't keep it. He lays out this table of blessing and says you can have all this. Oh, but before you get all that, you have to keep this standard. It seems unfair. It seems unjust. It seems like God doesn't even care. But the point of all of this is to point you to Jesus Christ. Fast forward into the New Testament and the New Covenant where you and I live. The Bible says in the New Testament that if you broke one of the laws, you were guilty of them all. You had to be perfect. If you broke one, you were guilty of them all. Imagine if you got stopped this afternoon for speeding. And the officer said, well, while I have you, why don't I just go ahead and arrest you and we'll convict you of murder. And you said, murder? I I haven't murdered anybody. And he says, yeah, but since you are speeding, you're guilty of all the law. So we're just going to go ahead and throw the book at you and put you in prison. Well, you'd think that would be crazy. But that's exactly the way it was in the old covenant. So you don't get it for three reasons. You don't get it because you're outside the covenant. Now, I want that to soak into your heart this morning. Okay, if you didn't, if you weren't born in the Jewish nation, if you're not a part of Israel, your life is hopeless and you can't have the blessings of God. The second reason you can't have the blessing of God is because you can't meet the standard. The third reason you don't get it, and that's right now today, is because you don't know it belongs to you. The Bible says in the Old Testament that we perish for lack of knowledge. What you don't know will hurt you. All right, imagine this morning that Glenda has the UPS truck 
come by our house tomorrow. And uh, she gets a certified letter from the UPS truck, and it's from the Walton family, the folks who started and founded Walmart. And she gets this certified letter, and she opens it up, and it's the Walton letterhead. And as she begins to read the letter, they say, we've been doing some research, we've been some studying, and we've been looking for you all your life, and you belong to the Walton family. You're part of our family. We don't know what happened to you. We don't know how you got lost, but you're a part of our family. We're sending the company jet uh, tomorrow to Tulia and we need you to come over to the company jet and we're going to fly you to Bentonville, Arkansas so we can meet you and talk to you about everything that belongs to you. So she gets there. They let the door down. She gets up on the jet. She sits down in a chair. They hand her something cold to drink and they hand her a big manila folder thick full of paper. And they say, hey, Glenda, we're, we're so glad to meet you. Here, here's a book with all the things that the Waltons own and all the information. And while we fly over to Bentonville, take a few minutes and look through this material and kind of familiarize yourself with it. So they land in Bentonville and the limo's sitting out at the airport and they put her in the back seat and they refresh her drink and they get to the headquarters and they take her into a room about this size with walnut walls and big beautiful beams and big leather chairs and two or three people come in, a couple of men and a woman and they run and they dive into her arms and they're like, Linda, oh, we found you. We've been looking for you forever. Where have you been, baby? And she says, I've been in Naz hanging out with the Birkenfells. And she finds out that she's a family member of the Waltons. And they said, did you have time to look over the information? Well, not really. I looked at it a little bit, but I really, man, there was a lot to it. And I I don't understand it all. They said, honey, don't worry. Don't worry. We're so glad we found you. We'll help you get through it. We'll help you understand it. But here's all you need to know. Baby, you're a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah. My people perish for lack of knowledge. You see, every one of you in here have a daddy who could buy and sell the Waltons a hundred times over, a million times over. The dirt those stores are built on belongs to my daddy. The Bible says he holds the stars in place. I got up this morning at 5 o'clock. I got my cup of coffee. I go outside into my driveway, and I sit in a spring-loaded chair, and I lean back in my chair with my head up, and I look at the stars. And you can see the satellites going across. My father holds that in place. The Bible says all things are held up by the word of his power. The Bible says that God measured the universe with the span of his hand. From his thumb to his index finger, he measured the universe. Okay, you have a father who's richer than anybody you could imagine, and the kingdom belongs to you. And uh, he handed you a manila folder with everything that belonged to you, but you've been lied to. You see, you were told along the way that this is a book of rules. This is a book of do's and don'ts, and whatever you do, stay away from it. You didn't know it was the last will and testament of your father and that this is everything in the kingdom that belongs to you. Then you were told, oh, that's just for women and kids, man. That's for old ladies. That's for kids. That's not for men. When I grew up in church, the men were in the deer blind and the beer joint. They weren't in church. Thank you, men, for being here. You've been lied to. Everything in this book belongs to you. You have an inheritance. 
And he's been looking for you, trying to get you to wake up and trying to get you to notice him and to stop living like a beggar. But you just didn't know. Now, I said to you this morning, you don't get the blessing for three reasons. The first off is you don't know what it is. Well, I'm helping fix that this morning. The second reason is you're not Jewish. I'm going to fix that in just a minute. The third reason is you can't keep it. You can't meet the standard. Well, I'm fixing to fix that too. Jesus is going to fix it, actually. I want to go back this morning to Galatians chapter 3. Glenda, remember, you always loved me. Just remember. Amen. All right. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath. This has already been done. It was done 2,000 years ago at the cross. Christ has redeemed purchased, bought you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Right there is where he handles the obedience issue. Arthur, would you come up here, please? A few weeks ago, I taught on how Jesus is our lamb. We're in the old covenant. And Arthur is a Jewish man, and I'm his priest. And when he would sin, when he would fall short of the standard, he would come to me, and he would bring a lamb as a sacrifice. I would take the lamb and examine it and make sure it was perfect. Jesus had to be perfect. You see, God knew you couldn't keep the rules, so he sent a perfect man named Jesus, whom the Bible says is without sin, and he kept the rules perfectly. He fulfilled the law perfectly in your place. So he is your perfect lamb. So I take the lamb and examine it, just like you remember Pilate looked in Jesus and said, I find no fault with this man. In other words, He's a worthy sacrifice. So then I would look at the lamb and make sure it was okay. Then I would hold it and Arthur would place his hands on it. And his sin, his mistakes, his shortcomings are transferred to this innocent animal. The innocence of this animal is transferred to him. That's exactly what happened at the cross. There was a transfer in your life. When you said yes to Jesus, his righteousness, his perfection was transferred to you. Your guilt and your sin was transferred to him. Thank you, Arthur. Now, don't miss this. What does it say in Galatians? It says, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Don't miss this. Jesus took your curse. When you make mistakes, when you sin, when you blow it, when you do wrong, the consequences are not a curse because the curse was put on Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, your big brother. Are you with me? He took your curse. If you believe when somebody does something wrong, they're cursed, then you live in the Old Testament, you live under the Old Covenant. And the Bible says, I'm going to read to you in just a minute, that it's been done away with. It's obsolete. Listen to the next verse. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Abraham's the father of the Jewish nation. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to cause you to have descendants more than there are on the earth. We are the descendants of Abraham because of Jesus Christ. We're the seed of Abraham because of Jesus Christ. He is our spiritual father because we're in Jesus Christ. So that solves the Jewish problem. You see, you and I were grafted in. When you said yes to Jesus, you didn't need to be a Jew anymore. You get invited to the party. The Learjet picks you up. You get the key to the vault. You get the key to the front door. You get the key to the pool house. You get the key to the Ferrari. 
<clears throat> you thought God was an old man and broke, didn't you? Yeah, can you imagine? You know, you ever heard a Christian say that? I'm just going to bang on the gates of heaven till God answers. You know what God's saying? Use your key and come in. What are you standing outside for? If Kurt comes to my house this afternoon and bangs on the door, I'm going to say, what's wrong with you, fool? What are you doing? Come in the house. Now, listen, don't miss this. The obedience issue was handled by Jesus Christ. The Jewish issue is handled by Jesus Christ. Listen to it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That list of blessings I read, you get it. You get all of it. Your children, your business, your home, your life. How do I qualify, Pastor? Make Jesus your Savior. Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. All of a sudden, I'm in the family. I get the vault. I get the keys. I get the house. I get the favor and the blessing of God. And all I had to do was say, yes. Now, let me keep reading. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus did it all. All you do is say yes. Daddy tosses you the keys and says, you want to drive the Ferrari today? No, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to drive the Ferrari. Oh, forgive me, Father, I'm a sinner. You know what he says? Stop acting like that and drive the car. Are you with me? Now, I know, I know I'm using outrageous examples. I know that. I know you can't connect Jesus in a Ferrari. I know, it's okay. The point is, the price has been paid and the blessings belong to you. It's been done. Now I want to go to another verse. This only gets better. It only gets better. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, and I'm reading out of the New King James. Listen to this. Just as he chose us in him, that means in Jesus, okay? Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Stop right there. When you build a house, what's the first thing you do? You pour the foundation, right? It says right there in that verse, before the foundation of the world was laid, God chose you. Before you were born, God chose you. Before there was an Adam and Eve, God chose you. Look at it. Just as he chose us, God chose me. He chose you in Christ. Before the world, the foundation was even laid, look at it, that we should be holy and without blame. Listen, when you say yes to Jesus, you know what happens to you? You come out of darkness into light and you take on holiness. Listen to me. All holy means is to be set apart for a purpose. Okay, we've made holiness some kind of performance, weird deal, and it's not performance. You know what it is? It's position. Listen, I'm holy this morning, and you know why I'm holy? Not because I'm the preacher, not because I do right, not because I'm white, not because I'm from the right family, not because I have the right education. I'm holy because I've identified with the blood of Jesus, and he made me holy that instant. You're holy too. The next thing it says, I love this part, you're without blame before him in love. You're without blame. Listen, when you go to God, when you go to the Father, when you go in the house, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't blame you. He doesn't remind you of your past. He doesn't bring up what you've done. It's been paid for. So you're brought, listen to it, you're brought into the family. I'm holy and without blame before him. Then the next verse says, having predestined us to adoption. 
Now listen, you probably never heard of this. Maybe you have. You know, there's lots of Christians that think, well, you know, God's about predestination. What does that mean? Well, God knows who's going to get saved before they get saved, and he does. And only certain people are going to get saved. There's only one problem with that. It's called John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. You know who God wants to get saved? Everybody. Listen to what that verse says. He predestined you to adoption as sons. Now stop right there. Everybody knows what adoption is. We've talked about this. Adoption in our world sometimes can mean second class. It's not second class, but sometimes we can think that. The word adoption means to be placed as a son. To be placed as a son. Look at it. He predestined you. He placed you as a son by Jesus Christ to himself. In other words, the Jewish issue solved because you're adopted into the family with all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges. Are you with me? Okay, do you have to earn them? No. Do you have to pay for them? No. Jesus paid. Jesus earned. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, this is what it says. According to the good pleasure of his will. Now, Let's just stop here for a second, and let's slide down into the Holy Spirit hot tub and soak for a minute. Y'all feel like getting in a hot tub this morning? Just slide right in. We're going to soak on this right here just for a minute. Do you know what that verse says? It says, you bring God pleasure. Listen to it. To the good pleasure of his will. You know what his will was? His will was to find you, to place you as a son with all the rights and benefits, and that gave him pleasure. When Lou came home, when Jimmy came home, when Rusty came home, when Glenda came home, I'll never forget going to Glenda's house and they were just starting to think about the things of God and, and, and they were Catholic and I didn't know anything about being Catholic and I still don't know a lot about being Catholic, but it kind of scared me. Then I had friends warning me about Catholics. You know, you got to be careful, right? So they loaded me up with all these pamphlets to go out to her house so I'd be ready to go to battle. Well, I just put the pamphlets in the drawer, and I thought, Lord, I can't do that. I can't read all that stuff. And when I got out there, you know what she said? I'm hungry. And I didn't know what I was hungry for. Now, listen to me. Don't miss this. This is the Holy Spirit right here because I didn't even mention this in the early service. The number one way to radically change your spiritual walk with God is to get hungry. See, we show up, we're fat. Now, I don't mean physically, spiritually. We're fat, we're full, and we don't want anything, and we don't need anything. And so you don't get anything. But when you're hungry for God, God shows up. She said, Rusty, I was hungry for God. Listen, you know what the verse says right there about her? She was placed as a son, placed as a daughter, according to the will of God, and it gave him pleasure. You bring God pleasure. Now, just let that soak. Can you let that soak in? Oh, some of you have a hard time with that. I know you do. I've had a hard time with it. No, no, I, yeah, I don't know if I bring God pleasure or not. You know, God's, no, when God thinks about me, he thinks you knucklehead, right? You know what I was told my whole life? You've heard me say it before. You're like a bull in a china closet. What you don't tear up, you blank on. Fill in the blank, right? And they meant that in a good way. I guess they did. I don't know. That's not the heart of God, Amen. It says what in that verse? It says that you bring him pleasure. You've been adopted. 
Let me go to the next verse. I'm going to go to Hebrews 8, 12. Hebrews 8, 12, New Living Translation. Listen to what this says. God is speaking. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Let me read it to you again. I will forgive their wickedness. When did that happen? When you said yes to Jesus. The moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, your wickedness was forgiven, and you never again remember his sins. Now, let me back up and correct that. That happened at the cross. You just received it, and it became a part of your life. It didn't happen the moment you said yes to Jesus. It was done 2,000 years ago listen to it god says i'll never remember your sin again i will never remember your sin again you know when your sin was paid for two thousand years ago god does not remember it it's been washed away by the blood of jesus you see when the lamb died your sins were covered when jesus the lamb died your sins are washed away they're gone and god doesn't remember them you've heard that right When the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You've been forgiven. Listen to the next verse. When God speaks of a new covenant, that's the covenant you and I are in, it means he's made the first covenant obsolete. Remember what we found out last week? Remember eight-track tapes are obsolete? Cassette tapes are obsolete? CDs are fixing to be obsolete. I can remember when Vicky and I would go to Hastings and Plainview and rent movies, right? Right? I can remember back so far away that we'd get the machine to take home. And then remember, you get the machine because we was too poor to have our own player. So you rented a player because we didn't have one. They were 600 bucks at Sears Roebuck. And then you rented the, uh, the uh, VHS tape. Yeah, then we went forward to where then it was CDs. And you'd go in and rent CDs. Y'all, y'all, anybody in here old enough to remember that? And you went into Hastings and you rented CDs. And I'd be so mad because they'd have a new movie out. And I'd want to see it. And you'd go in and they'd all be rented. And you'd call the next day, did anybody bring any back? Okay, that's obsolete. Now I turn on my TV and hit this button and it plays movies. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The law, the old covenant is obsolete. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. So when you try to go back and live in that, it's like you trying to play a VHS player at your house. It's been done away with. Listen to it. It's out of date and will soon disappear. Let me go to the next verse, Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews 9.12, you're going to love this. It says, with his own blood, Jesus, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, not the blood of a lamb, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured your redemption forever. What's he talking about? He's talking about heaven. You see, in the Old Testament, they had the Ark of the Covenant and they, the priest would go in and sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant, the blood of the innocent lamb, and that blood covered your sin for a season until the next time you had to bring another lamb. It says right here in this verse that Jesus went into the holy place where God is, heaven. He went into the holy place and he sprinkled his blood and your sin was paid for. You were redeemed forever. Forever. Forever 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 how long is forever how about forever once for all time he secured your redemption your salvation your deliverance forever you remember that old song you remember you might not have heard this i grew up singing this abraham's blessings are mine abraham's blessings are mine i'm blessed in the city and i'm blessed in the field Abraham's blessings are mine. 
I get them because of what Jesus did. I want to go to one more verse. I'm going to go to Hebrews 9, 26 through 28. Now, I saved the best for last. Every bit of this has been amazing, hasn't it? But this is ice cream with, with whipped cream, sprinkles, and cherries on top. Okay? You know how, like, when you go to Sonic and you get a cherry limeade? Okay, here's how I want my cherry limeade. I want the ice, then I want the drink, then I want about seven cherries on top. I don't want one cherry. When I order a cherry limeade, I always want extra real cherries. And that little person comes back on the microphone and says, they're 10 cents a piece, sir. I don't care. Give me 20 of them. (laughs) Amen? Okay, I've saved the best for last. You're going to get ice cream, whipped cream, sprinkles, and extra cherries on top. Listen to what this says. It says, if it had been necessary... Christ would have had to die again and again. The lambs died again and again. Not, the, not this lamb, but a new lamb every time. Ever since the world began. But now, once for all time. How many times did Jesus die? One time. It was enough, wasn't it? It was enough. But once for all time, he appeared at the end of the age. Oh, we must be living in the last days. Because Jesus has already appeared. Listen to what it says. To remove your sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Your sin's been removed. Will, your sin's been paid for, brother. And it's been removed. It says it's been removed by his death as a sacrifice. Now, don't miss this. There's no sacrifice you can offer for your sin. There's nothing you can go to God with as a sacrifice to pay for your sin because Jesus paid for it once for all, for all time for you. The sacrifice has been paid. Listen to what the next verse says. And just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes the judgment. Now, let me, let me stop right here. I gotta get a drink. I gotta get a drink. There's so much in this verse right here. I gotta tell you, Let me tell you at least three things. You know what that verse does not say? It does not say this. Well, it must have been their time to go. It doesn't say that. That's not in there. Well, you know, it was just old Charlie's time. You know, if it's your time to go and you hide out in the house, you'll slip in the tub and hit your head and kill you. You know, when it's your time, it's your time. Oh, I got to be careful here. I got to be real careful. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. You can do things to extend your life. Can you not? I went on a trip this week and I wore my seatbelt. Why? Because it will help extend your life if you're in an accident. Right? Hello? Come on, right? There's things you can, it doesn't even make sense, does it? Listen to what it says. It says, and just as each person is destined to die once. In other words, everybody in this room is going to die one time. How many times did Jesus die? Once. Now, I know we could maybe not die. If Jesus were to come for the church, we'll rapture and we won't die. But put that aside. Without that happening, every one of you in this room are going to die. We're going to die one time. Now, here's the next thing I want you to see. So much for reincarnation. Now, if you know anything about reincarnation in Eastern religions, they don't see it as a blessing. They see it as a curse. If you help a beggar on the street suffering in India, you destine them to a worse life the next time because their suffering is their paying. Here's what's amazing about Christianity. It's been paid. 
I'm at a store the other day, and there's a little girl in there, and she had on this scarf. Now, not, not a Muslim scarf. It wasn't like that. She had this head thing on. It was a long sleeve black shirt, and it covered her entire head with just her face showing. And then she had this big turban-looking thing on. And I don't know, what she, I don't know what, why she was wearing that. I'm not judging her, picking on her, anything. I'm checking out. And I wanted to say, the price has been paid. <laughs> you don't have to wear that. You don't have to put that on to please God. He's already pleased. Jesus came. Listen to it. Don't miss this. And just as each person is destined to die once, after that is the judgment. Reincarnation is a farce, folks. Everybody on this planet is going to die one time. Then there's two words. Don't miss this. After that. Something's going to happen after this. You know what it is? I'm going to dinner. Right? I'm going to my house and I'm eating dinner. There's something happening after this. Okay, you know what that verse just says? There's something after this life. Listen to it. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that, listen to me, please don't miss this. There's something after this life. This life is not all there is. Paul said if it is, that we're hopeless. There is something after this life. There's an eternity to gain and a hell to shun. There's something after this life. But most of us live like there is nothing after this life. It says, and after what? After you die comes the judgment. There is something after this life. Now listen to the next verse. So also Christ was offered once for all time. He's offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. The reason it doesn't say all people is because not everybody wants it. Jesus, listen to it. He paid the sacrifice and he took away your sin. Now, if I showed up at Lou's and got in her car and drove it away and took it away, would it still be at her house? You know, Kurt's smart on computers. If I had him get on your bank account and we could manage to get your bank account number and steal it and take your money out of your account, would you have it? No, because we took it away. Okay, listen, you don't have your sin anymore. Jesus took it. You don't have it anymore. It's gone. It's been paid for. You've been grafted into the family. You get the key to the house, the vault, the car, the pool, all of it. It's yours. Lord, please let me in. I'm just going to bang on the gates of heaven till I get an answer. Wow. Now let me finish. Don't miss this. So Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many. Here, Here we go. He will come again. Jesus is coming, folks. Not to deal with your sin, but to bring salvation to all are eagerly waiting for him. Now, don't miss that. Jesus is coming again. Y'all know that, right? Jesus is coming. Listen, this world is broken. You know that, don't you? This world is broken because there's this crazy prince named Lucifer who keeps it broken. But the day is going to come that Jesus is going to come and he's going to rule and reign in righteousness and we're going to live with him here and it's all going to be restored and all be made right. He's coming again. And listen to it, not to deal with your sin. Now stop right there. You know what most Christians think? Well, Jesus is coming and when he gets here, oh, crap. I'm sorry I said that, but that's the truth. Isn't that what we think? Oh, crap. 
What he gets here, I am in so much trouble. Did you ever have your parents leave you at home when you was a kid and you break something, tear something up? And then the whole rest of the evening, you're like, oh, when they get home, we're dead. We're dead. We're dead. You ever done that? You ever done that? And, and they leave you, they trust you. Think how dumb my parents were that they would ever trust me, right? I mean, come on. Come on. And then when they get home, you're like, oh, I'm in trouble. That's exactly how we think about God. Listen to what it says. Jesus is coming, but he's not going to deal with your sin. Do you know why? Because it's already been dealt with at the cross 2,000 years ago. It was already paid for. He's not coming to deal with your sin. He's coming to bring salvation. Remember what we found out salvation is? Hope, peace, joy, wholeness, restoration, happiness, fulfillment. He's coming again to set up his kingdom, and he's going to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. Now, here's all I want you to see this morning. The blessing belongs to you. If I were you, I'd get out Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, and I'd read it every day this week. And I'd say, Father, thank you, this belongs to me. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And I'm blessed, not cursed. The blessing belongs to me because Jesus paid the price. My children are blessed. My job is blessed. My business is blessed. My boss is blessed. My grandkids are blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm not the head. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. And that God's grace is on me. The Old Testament is due. The New Testament is done. And Jesus paid the price for you. Won't you just come on in the house? Just come on in. Just come on in. Right? I can't say too much about that. That's next week. Just come on in. You're welcome. Right? Just come on in. It belongs to you. Stand up. Let's pray.